1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Pepsi and Indeed. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, bro? How's it going? How was that high school football game?
3: Uh, you know, it was good. It actually uh, came down to the wire Uh The team, I guess I'm going for or affiliated with, you know, my son goes to that school. Uh, Yeah, they lost. They got stopped on the, like, really, they were on, like, the five. They got tackled for a loss. They were on the 10, and, yeah, it was fourth and 10. Really what screwed it up was a boneheaded block in the back um, downfield. Otherwise, they probably would have scored, so, yeah.
1: Did you see the block in the back? Was it a legit call?
3: I saw it. It it wasn't a block in the back. It was a it was a, like a blindside block or whatever. Right. And right. um, and it really was an amazing play by the quarterback. I mean, it was like fourth and sixteen, and he just took off and, and outran everybody. And then ended up picking like picking up like forty yards. And then there was like a yeah a blindside hit, but the ref called holding, which I was like, I'm watching the game. Definitely wasn't holding. It was a, it was a blindside block. And they marked it off from the spot of the foul, which was where the blindside block was. But, anyways, yeah, they they lost, so that was tough. And the whole time I was watching the Browns and Bengals game on my phone too. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, high school sports, and and especially you know I'm at the middle school level. Um, they take that blindside block stuff. I mean, real if it, if it actually happened, even though you said he called holding. They take that really seriously just because, I mean, you're younger. They don't want to see young kids get hurt and stuff like that. And, you know, kids that aren't, might not necessarily be playing football because they want to make it like their, their profession type of deal. So they're real, they're real strict about it. I've seen a lot of them get called at my level that they're good calls, but like I've seen some get called where like the guy that, like the guy's like trying to tackle the guy, like he's like right behind the ball carrier and he gets destroyed by somebody coming across and they'll still call it even though the dude was like a legit threat to tackle yeah. him because like, he's about they just oh
3: my guy like i can't go <laughs> hit him
1: right and they just they just don't want you doing it all they say you're allowed to do is like you can just get in his way like you know so it's
3: which guys you know. are starting to do and it is a really really smart play when you see somebody do it and it's like you know you you do appreciate it but it's just like you know blindside blocks it was never an issue growing up. So it's just, it's still kind of weird. It's a weird adjustment they're having to make.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird to, and, and they'll, they'll say stuff all the time, like the refs to us. They'll be like, hey, this isn't, this isn't pro sports. This isn't, you know, we, we are way more strict about this stuff than pro sports. And we'll all kind of have to go out, you know, grumble under our breath or whatever, you know, stuff that coaches do. But, but anywho, we are on our, uh, if you haven't been tuning in, if you haven't realized, Crocker and I are on our fifth pod this week. So, I mean, you guys, we have gone from one pod a week to five in essentially five days. Uh, this is five of five. So, you know, I hope you guys are enjoying this stuff. Um, we might not do five every week carrying forward, but the goal is like three or four. So this is just the uh, the new striking goals. So make sure you guys... Uh, you know, give us a shout out to your friends. Tell them to, uh, tell them to tune in. Get some word of mouth going. Um, but essentially, today was a pretty low-key day. Um, there wasn't really anything in particular that kind of changed the landscape of what we already knew. Um, the one thing that I could say that kind of really stood out among all the rest of the news was the fact that B Ford ended up on the injury report with a neck injury. And I have not, I haven't read anything as to the severity of it or any more details. Uh, he did not practice today, which at this point of the week is significant. Usually, if you're not practicing on Thursday, you know, on Friday, then you're kind of uh, you're doubtful to get to to play in the game. So mm-hmm. he's not practicing today, but he is kind of a veteran guy. And, you, you know, maybe they're looking at it kind of the same thing as they are George Kittle right now, who hasn't practiced all week, but he's just expected to play in the game. So I don't know if they're doing that with D Ford. We just don't really know how significant the injury is, um, but we'll see. I mean, that obviously has has pretty significant implications. That's the 49ers, you know, premier pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa. So we will uh, we'll see kind of where that goes from there. I I don't really know don't really know anything more about it so i mean that was kind of the surprise of the day some other uh some other news as far as practice is concerned um, Akello Witherspoon's in the concussion protocol but he did practice today he was in his blue jersey so that's kind of you know he's that signifies that he's made it through uh, the majority of the phases for the for the concussion protocol and he's you know he's looking like he's on the right track to play um, he's got a couple more hurdles to go over before he can be officially cleared. But um, And the reason that is significant, in case you weren't turning in, is um, Richard Sherman is was put on injured reserve. He's going to be um, off the field for at least three weeks. That's what injured reserve mandates now. So the 49ers were obviously hoping that Akella Witherspoon would be able to step in and and replace which Richard Sherman during these three weeks. But uh, that concussion could get in the way. So that's kind of where we are right now. That's kind of the general the general wrap-up of, of where everybody is. Um, Brandon Ayuk, rookie-ride receiver, and center Ben Garland both took part fully in practice. So they're both kind of expected to play. Brandon Ayuk had had a couple healthy practices before the last game, but I think the 49ers just felt like that was a little too quick. So uh, they gave yeah. him uh, the, the first game off and and as well as Ben Garland, and and that's their, their starting center, at least for now. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, any of that? Any of that stand out to you there, Croc? I mean, it's kind of just uh, the, the 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 sweep up of all the random news.
3: I think the scariest was, you know, after Sherman went down and then kind of just hearing like, oh, and by the way, Killer Witherspoon he's in concussion protocol. Uh, that just wasn't ideal.
1: Uh, no, it was bad timing.
3: But outside of that, man, like, you know, we'll, we'll see. They are saying. Or everything that I've seen has been uh that uh D Ford is not too serious. Um, I don't know. Anytime I hear like neck, like and that's what I heard, uh that that just sounds I don't know. The neck is always scary to me. But, you know, everything, I don't know. I I just look at it as like, you know, you you, you gotta go out there, you gotta play, the Jets are, you know, they have their little injuries and people banged up. They're going out there without Le'Veon Bell and, uh, you know, missing some receivers and kind of banged up. So, you know, everybody just has to figure it out and piece it together and and uh, get ready to play some ball.
1: Well, and and thankfully for the 49ers, they are playing the Jets, who are not, for lack of a better way of saying this, are not expected to be one of the better teams this year. Uh, like Croc said, they're dealing with their own set of injuries. They have a, a you know, a second-year quarterback, uh, Sam Darnold's a second-year quarterback, right? Or is he? Or is this his third year? Third year. Okay, man. Time flies, dude. I
3: know.
1: Like it's a trip, man. I was just, I just, like, I was like instantly taken back to when, you know, he was in discussion to be the first overall pick and stuff, and like, dang, it's he's already in his third year. Whew! But so, I mean, yeah, both teams had their fair share of licks as far as injuries go. So, I mean, it's it's not necessarily an excuse no one should be playing that card, but, you know, thankfully for the 49ers, uh, they, you know, they should be, they are favored. So, you know, that kind of tells you where this match is expected to go. But again, like kind of like we've hit on throughout the week, you know, this is kind of the, I think a lot of people were surprised about the loss to the Cardinals, maybe more surprised than I was just because I felt like the Cardinals were going to put up a good fight. And, you know, the 49ers made more state mistakes than I think a lot of people were comfortable with, especially considering kind of their experience. But, this is another test in the way that the 49ers are kind of expected to put a hurting on the jets, even though it's an away game, like they're expected to win. So, you know, if they don't win convincingly or, you know, knock on wood, they don't win. uh, Then you're looking at another very, very significant kind of here's where we are moment for the 49ers. So, That's kind of where this game sits as far as importance go. You know, if if you're a great team, then you should really, really beat the bad teams. And the 49ers did a pretty good job of doing that last year outside of really the Falcons game. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, What we did. So today, essentially, if you're catching on to our schedule, to kind of recap it. On Sunday, Kevin uh, Kevin hopped on here with Croc and I. Um, to break down the Cardinals game and then on Monday we kind of did a more detailed recap and highlighted some winners and losers of, of, of based on the performances from the game and then on Wednesday no excuse me Tuesday we were talking about the Muhammad Sanu signing and then yesterday we got on here and did our mailbag also talked a little bit about the Sherman stuff um, which you know a lot of the mailbag questions were about Sherman and then so today we are previewing the 49ers game against the Jets. And that is essentially, you know, minus the Muhammad Sanu thing, because that was kind of just like a, a breaking news type deal. But that's kind of like the the schedule that we hope to kind of achieve all the way throughout the season, breaking down the game, getting a little bit more detailed with it, doing a weekly mailbag, and then previewing the next game. And I feel like that has a pretty good flow. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I feel like it makes sense, if that makes sense. So, um, so what, what we're doing right now is we're previewing the game. And before we hopped on here, I said, Croc, let's let's get some names together of 49ers players that you are going to have your eye on. And, you know, who, who are you like looking forward to seeing or who are you watching because of maybe the way things went for them on Sunday? And inevitably, the first name out of both of our mouths was one uh, James Garoppolo. So why don't you tell me, Croc, in your own words, kind of what your... I don't know. What are you looking for him to do differently? What like what would you need to see from Jimmy to just kind of feel a little bit better about where he is?
3: I just like to see him just be sharper, right? See so like to see him be sharper. And I probably should have added uh uh I probably should have added Kyle Shanahan to that because you know I'm not well, saying exactly <laughs> not saying that he's calling bad plays, but like if you see that your quarterback is struggling to get in the rhythm, like figure out a way at least for a few plays to kind of simplify the game for him, get the ball out of his hands quick and easy reads. Um, you know, even right now, as, as we speak, I'm watching the uh, the Bengals and Browns game. It's the very end, under two minutes left. And one thing I've noticed that the Bengals have done for Joe Burrow is they simplified it. They spread him out. Let's go empty. You know, everybody's running six-yard routes, and he hits the open guy. And it's very simple. It's very clear cut, you know, what his reads are. His reads are probably, you know, one or two guys or one guy on the defense. And depending on what that guy does, he's probably already knows he's throwing it to this guy or that guy. So um, he hasn't, what is he? He's 33 for 54, 283 yards. So it's not like he's had like a bunch of explosive plays. He's probably had more five yard passes than anything, but, is getting him in the rhythm, completing passes, you know, moving the sticks. And I think, you know, there are times where maybe Kyle can help, you know, Jimmy do that a little bit because 49ers offense, it's so play action, ball has to be out of your hands right now, it has to be really precise, it has to be really on target, and there's really not much room for error. And a lot of times you only have like one or two guys going out for a pass or, you know, I mean three with like a tight end. So uh, just simplify the game for him a little bit, but and I didn't think he did that really last game. But anyways, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not a rookie. He's been in this system for a while. Hey, let's just come out. Let's be sharp, and you know, hit guys, hit guys in the hands, like he does, like he did last year, <laughs> like like that.
1: Right, and I, and I think, and I, I do like how you've kind of like combined Garoppolo and Shanahan because I obviously they're the two. Both of their their successes are dependent on each other. You know, the Shanahan's offense isn't going to really go anywhere without Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo not really going to go anywhere without Shanahan and, and his uniqueness as a play caller. And I think you're 100 percent right. What I don't want to see is and, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo got a lot of shit for this, like in the playoffs last year people acted like the 49ers running the football was like an indictment of Jimmy Garoppolo when I didn't feel like it was that way at all. Like the matchup dictated that the 49ers run the hell out of the football. Like there was, there are a few things more satisfying than that. When they had that uh, Richard Sherman had that pick against uh, Kirk cousins when he was in coverage on Adam Thielen. And I believe it was right after that pick that the 49ers ran the ball like seven times with Tevin Coleman. And, like they averaged like 5 yard 5 6 yards of carry maybe even more and they just ran it straight into the end zone and it was you could tell that from a a Vikings perspective it was so demoralizing like it was just like you could almost like see the motivation and the excitement leave their bodies like you know and and to me and same thing against the packers like they had no answer for Raheem Mostert at all And I think people use that against Jimmy Garoppolo. But what I don't want to see is Shanahan just start running the ball even when the running game isn't thriving just because he's trying to avoid Jimmy Garoppolo making a mistake. To me, you have got to at least make some adjustment to your offense to facilitate... Whatever struggles Jimmy Garoppolo may or may not be having, he, Jimmy Garoppolo might come out there and just light it up exactly, kind of you know how we saw him do on many occasions last season. But if he is struggling, then use your brain power and your in, what seems like infinite creativity to help Jimmy out a little bit. He's your quarterback; he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's it's like you're saying, like you see the Bengals and Joe Burrow putting together a lot of completions that are kind of like six, seven, eight yard gains, maybe 11, 12. And the guy, you know, they're set up in a way where, you know, little crossing routes or whatever that are relatively open. And find a way to find a way to, to channel some of those until you feel like Jimmy maybe starts feeling himself a little bit and then you can do normal Jimmy plays or whatever. You know what I mean? Like if if he really is struggling, then Shanahan needs to use the talents he have has to give Jimmy some plays. Like you know what I mean? Like when, when Jimmy Garoppolo first showed up in 2017, you know he knew like 5% of the playbook. But somehow, Shanahan put together some plays that just made Jimmy look like an absolute star. And I'm not saying he's not, but you know in that process that Shanahan was doing Garoppolo some favors and in and, and just the plays he was putting together, the plays he was calling. And so I, I, the last thing I want – Shanahan to do is necessarily like throttle down his offense because Jimmy's struggling. But if he is, you've got to find a way to keep your offense balanced and keep your quarterback from, you know, kind of like crumbling under his own weight. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, so, just simplify it for him, whether it's a few plays or just a drive where you're just working to just get him in a rhythm um, and get him some simple completions. Again, when the 49ers, really the West Coast offense in general, is kind of predicated on a lot of catch and run opportunities. And when you do kind of what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow right now, you're not going to have those huge catch-around opportunities, but it still just helps him get in a rhythm uh, when things are kind of slipping away a little bit. And, and that's why I would just like, just just bring him in, because there are times where Garoppolo is on, and he's firing, and he's hitting guys. But, you know, there are other times where it uh, looks a little stagnant, or maybe he's not seeing the field as well. So help him. Simplify it. Spread it out. Everybody's running five, six, seven-yard routes uh hit guys get the chains moving and then you can go back to you know what you do and but that'll just help your quarterback kind of get in the rhythm and it's not just him and you know he he's taking a lot of a lot of flack a lot of flack on on social media uh from really I, I think everybody and I'm not gonna say it's not he doesn't deserve it <clears throat> But I think people pick and choose who they want to kind of pick on. You know what I'm saying? If you look at Drew Brees from last game uh, against the against the uh, Tampa Bay, he wasn't sharp. Do you know what Drew Brees' stats was from last game? Mediocre? I mean, but yeah, he, he threw for 160 yards, 60% completion uh, percentage, like – he wasn't great. Like, he completed 18 out of 30 passes. He he was his average yards attempt was 5.3. Like, that's not that's not good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it, it's not good. And then his caliber partner, the, the guy on the other side of the field, Tom Brady, he threw two interceptions through a pick six. Like you and I'm not I'm not making excuses for them, but I just think that it's like everybody kind of like jumps on. Jimmy Garoppolo, like, oh, he just can't play the quarterback position. Like, he's the only one that has, like, a bad game. Now, all of a sudden, everything that I'm reading on Twitter is, oh, he he just let it rip. Oh, just uh, got guys open. Well, flash: on every play, there's typically somebody open. More times than not, there's somebody. Now, there might be multiple guys open on a single play. There might be a guy open, and that's not the guy that your quarterback throws it to. And sometimes he completes it. Sometimes he doesn't. We both play uh coach football. The number one thing that our receivers come back to the hello and say is, hey coach, I'm open. I'm open. I'm beating my guy. Like, and it's like, yeah, well, you're open, but we threw it to this guy. He was open too. We just missed the throw. Uh I, I think it's and I I I hate, I, I don't I don't want to like feel like I always have to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's fine. I think he had a bad game, but kind of Twitter and all 22 and everything has kind of given everybody the voice to be like some kind of QB expert. When you don't know his reads, we don't know his reads at all. We might kind of know, but like you can look and see his head. If he's looking right, he probably doesn't see the guy left. If if the guy's left is open and for, for example, when I'm calling plays, right, I'm calling plays. Usually my 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 plays are predicated on a certain look that I'm expecting to get based on the coverage. So I usually, you know, there might be something backside or, you know, for that we're probably not even gonna see backside. Whatever backside, whatever's going on there, probably not gonna see it. We're really focused on this combination of routes from the right side. That's what I'm expecting. So I tell my guy, look, This guy is the look. If he drops down, then we're probably going to throw it to this guy right here. But if he goes back and you see this, then you should be able to hit him. He should be wide open. Not one time do I ever say anything about backside. We're not looking backside. So when you see, like, a play where Dante Pettis makes a dude fall 12 yards into the end zone and Pettis is wide open, they were never going to get to him. Because a lot of it, especially with Kyle Shanahan's offense, and that's the other thing, is, like, if he does hold on to the ball and then he – you know, because oh, I want to maybe get backside and throw it to Pettis who's wide open, but he gets sacked is, oh man, he just holds on to the ball too long. Now, if he does get out of his hands quick, like he tried to do, not quick enough, he was late on the throw, then it's like, well, oh, Pettis is wide open. It's like, you can't have it both ways. And this Twitter and, and these like armchair GMs, coaches or whatever, like they've made it to where we can nitpick every little thing that somebody does when really at the end of the day, he just had an off game. And now it's like, oh, he can't he can't throw in anticipation. He can't, um, he's not letting the rip well, He didn't have any issues with Emmanuel Sanders last year. There was nobody saying, oh, he's not throwing with anticipation to Emmanuel Sanders because he was, right? He was throwing before the ball was out of his break. I had posted um, about the play on, it was like third and 11. Where Emmanuel Sanders is like facing the other way and the ball's in the air already, then Jimmy throws it to like this one spot in between three guys, and and then uh, uh, Sanders goes and he goes down and gets it and he keeps the chains moving against Arizona on that last drive. Like Jimmy does these things. Clearly, there's something else going on as far when it comes to Dante Pettis. In my opinion, again, I'm not in the room, but just kind of listening to him in his uh, talk at the press conference, I caught the tail end of it, and what he said was he he touched on trust. Now he didn't single anyone out, but he was just saying, he was mentioning trust and he said that, you know, that's something that is developed in practice. And watching the game, and even though I see Dante Pellis open, I don't think the trust is there. He trusted a guy that he got and you know, the next week, all of a sudden, Emmanuel Sanders is the wide receiver one he trusted him after being with him for a week or two more than he trusted Dante Pettis, who he's been around for two years. So that's just kind of what it comes down to. Uh, I think kind of people can back off just a little bit. Again, he is a pro quarterback. And if if, if he doesn't get better, then he just doesn't get better. But they're nitpicking at things where we've seen him do these type of things well. So, you know, That's I guess that's the end of my rant. It's just it's just like kind of annoying, I guess.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, that's I mean, that's not even I wouldn't even classify that as a rant, man, because that was that was really well said. And it's and we were talking about this before the pod, but sometimes you just have to consider the source. And I am the last guy that I do not have whatsoever the mentality of, oh, this person didn't play football, so he couldn't you know so he doesn't know what he's talking about i i hate that i hate when people say that because you can become a student of the game and having never played it and if you are passionate enough about it you can learn enough to where you can you know you can support your own opinions just through through the work you've put in obviously though having played the game gives you a whole different level of understanding and some of the comments like kind of just to stick into the Pettis thing cuz one of the things i tweeted out today was we were talking about that that target to Pettis where everybody just Is look, I'm you've heard me you guys have heard me talk about Pettis. I'm there in no way would I feel like going out of my way to defend him because I've watched him struggle. But it's like you pick this deep like everybody's picking because it was his only target in the game, everybody's picked this this deep pass into double coverage, and the ball was overthrown, and they're picking that as like their like this is this is the ultimate proving ground that Pettis is still shitty. And I've gotten so many comments that just make no sense. Like, and it's, and sometimes my only like, like the only thing I have to fall back on is the idea that maybe this person making this comment has just never played football or, or maybe they've never done any physical activity or like some of the comments are just so mind blowing. Now everybody on who's listening to this probably knows just all the stupid stuff you read on Twitter all the time, but like, One of the guys reasoning for Dante Pettis was not catching that ball was that he didn't go up and high point it. And I'm just looking at that comment saying, so you're telling me a guy that is in full sprint with two people right next to him. And he's having to run with all of his effort just to get to where the ball is going to fall is suddenly going to be able to kind of double clutch his feet and jump up into the air and catch the ball at the highest point. Like, where would he get the time to do that? I don't, I don't know if you guys out there have, have ever tried to chase a deep ball, but you are running with every ounce of your speed just to get the, where the ball is going to fall. And then you may need to put your arms all the way out, or you may need to dive. There is no option to just kind of like settle your feet real quickly and jump real high. That's just not a part of the equation whatsoever. You know, if if you're gonna high point a ball, it has to be slightly underthrown so that you can kind of gather yourself and then leap up into the air and catch it. Like I just like some of the stuff I was reading, and and it goes into the things Crocker was just saying about all twenty two. Is somebody will be watching like a Jimmy Garoppolo rep, and they'll be like, "Oh man, why didn't he dip out of the pocket right here and and, and extend the play?" And I'm like looking at it, and I'm like looking at the the timer of the video, and I'm like. This guy expected Jimmy Garoppolo while he's looking at targets downfield in this little half a second window to just duck out of the pocket and take off even though that's not Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set to begin with. He's not an athletic run out of the pocket create space type of guy and and he's got Chandler Jones rushing at him from his from you know in within his vision like there's just like so many great comments that just get thrown out out there that you're looking at it and you're like, is this for real? Like, does he really think this or is he like trolling me? Like, I don't know, man. Like maybe you were just taking stuff a little too seriously, but it's it, it, some, some of the stuff I see mentioned, like, and at least, you know, with the wide receiver stuff, like I know from experience, I've, I've, I've done it. I've coached it. I know what players are capable of doing and at really any given moment. And it's just like some of the stuff that, you get said, it's just like, I like, I just stare at it. Kind of my mouth like falls open a little bit and I'll just look at it and then I'll just become so disappointed that a human being could think these things. And like, <laughs> you know, like, and like I said, it's, it's definitely me just p- taking the internet way too seriously, but it's like, it's again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last episode Croc, where people don't really have the respect of the a respect for the, Eat elite athleticism that's just constantly being displayed on an NFL field. Right. Like there's just things that get thrown around as if they're easy to do. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't understand why he didn't dive right there. Man, it's football. Just dive. I'm like, so a 215-pound free safety is about to knock your block off, and you want to leave your feet and float there to see what happens when he hits you? Like... (laughs) I understand yeah. it, it, and that is what what has to happen sometimes. But like, I I love how people throw that around like it's just some sort of like that. Well, that's what you're expected to do. You're you're a football player. I'm like, dude. Like, these guys still care about their own health sometimes. Some of these guys maybe don't. They'll do the craziest stuff I've ever seen. But like, I don't know, man. Am I crazy?
3: Not crazy at all, man. I mean, my my biggest takeaway is. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo just has to play better. Like go no,
1: back, to, back to the topic, I guess.
3: Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah. hey, Jimmy, just, just play better next game in the 49ers should be fine. And I've seen him play very well in stretches. So I think what was it, last year, the last what eight games, like he was top of the league and like everything. So to to take one game after not having any type of preseason and run with it and say, well, this is what he is because maybe he didn't pass as well in a couple games in the playoffs. I think that's kind of what people are looking at too. Uh I just think I think it's a little ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of ridiculous going on around. Oh, hopefully Crocker and I just now cause we both got our rants in there there, but like hopefully that that doesn't that we don't just seem like we're, you know, because we're talking about other people in some being being in some unrealistic bubble. Uh, hopefully it doesn't sound like we're in the same bubble, but I'd like to think we're we're coming at you guys from a little different place than a lot of this stuff you're reading out there. Um yeah,
3: well, well, real quick, it's not it's not so much like me, I'm admitting that he needs to play better. I think the narrative like that I like on Twitter is that he can't play better. And and that's the part where it's like, dude, we've seen him play much better. Like you're really gonna judge him and just like you're done with Jimmy Garoppolo because he had a poor game. I just got a tweet saying this. Hold on. <laughs> I just got a tweet saying this. Hold on. Cause I got a bunch of comments. Hold on. So the tweet says, why does Joe Burrow look like a six-year vet? And why does Jimmy look like a rookie when he plays? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not saying Jimmy didn't look like a rookie last game, but like when you say that, are you speaking in general? Or are you saying like, you know, he looked like a rookie last game. Because last game, like, I agree. Like, yeah, he was off. He looked like the game was going too fast for him. Typically, I don't I don't see that to be the case all the time. There are times where he's not playing very well. But like I said, seems like that happens to everybody. I just talked about Drew Brees. 60% completion through 160 yards. Like, that's not, like, earth shattering. Like, he just killed it. You know what I'm saying? Like... Why don't you have that same energy for Drew Brees, as you do for for Jimmy? You know what I'm saying? Like same Drew right. Brees that you know lost to the Vikings in the 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 playoffs in the divisional round, struggled, wild card round, struggled, did not play well at all. Like I just think that is like it's it's when it's Jimmy, it's let's just get on, get on them, them, get on them, get on them. And if he if if Jimmy ends up not being, okay, okay, move on. That's fine. I, I don't care. I just think that it's just a little bit of unfair criticism. That's all.
1: Well, and one, one other thing that I, that we did talk about a while ago um, that I think does have some merit is, like, even after this loss where Jimmy Garoppolo played horribly, you could go to those Cardinals defenders, the ones that have been around for a minute, and be like, hey, what's your opinion of, of Jimmy Garoppolo? And even if even if they were in a position where nobody else would ever find out what they would say, they'd be like, man, he can sling it like because they've seen Jimmy Garoppolo whip the Cardinals ass both times last year.
3: He threw for eight yards and, and eight touchdowns against them last year. And again, he was the-, the
1: reason that the 49ers beat the Cardinals both times last year. And, and, and yes, he played bad this game. But if I, like I said, if you even if it's recent, they just saw this horrible game from Jimmy Garoppolo. If you went to them and asked them, what's your opinion of Jimmy Garoppolo? They'll be like, man, he can throw it, dude. That guy is the real deal. Because they've seen it and they are, they know enough not to, you know, they see him play one bad game. They're not all of a sudden gonna be like, oh man, he's we can, we can, we can run him all day. You know what I mean? Like, that's just it's just not how it works. You know, it's it's just not how it works. So um, anyways, so we we basically got to one player out of our list of players to watch. And then 30 <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> um, but anyway, because that, that just opened the door for everything else. So let's get a quick word in from our sponsors. We'll get back. We'll cover the rest of these players that, that Crocker and I are going to be having our eye on come Sunday, and uh, and we'll close it out. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for the guys who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And it's better than Coca-Cola. Anyways, um, even though sports had a break, your business didn't. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So anyways people to watch, 49ers to watch on game day. I think we covered Jimmy Garoppolo, but we, well, okay. So essentially that was two because we had only written down four. We wanted to do five and Crocker in his infinite wisdom uh, added Kyle Shanahan to kind of the Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, so we got two. so maybe, maybe we've covered more ground than I thought we were going to cover, but um, our third player to watch, including Shanahan would be one, Rookie wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, and that's kind of a layup given he is expected to make his debut on Sunday. So of course he's going to be a player to watch, but at the same time, like this is the 49ers first round. When's the last time the 49ers took a first round wide receiver? Is is it AJ Jenkins?
3: Yeah, it's got to be A.J. Jenkins.
1: I mean, I hate bringing up that name. I apologize. but And I was uh, thinking
3: like before that, I'm like, man, I forgot all about A.J. Jenkins. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> You're like I wish I forgot about him. Uh, um, What about before A.J. Jenkins? Let's see how good we are. Uh, uh, J.J.
1: Well, Stokes? What about – when was Crabtree taken?
3: Oh, first round. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's all right. High first round to the top ten. So. Suck it, Croc. Yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> my yeah good job. I well actually like Crabtree.
1: I do, too. I do, too. And it, Crabtree made one of the greatest college football plays of all time, if you if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, man. Uh, it's
3: Texas. On the, um, yeah, dude,
1: that was, that was on, such yeah. an unreal catch, bro. Like, Were you watching it live, though? No, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't. Were uh, you? See,
3: I was watching it live, and I could not believe what I just saw. I well, dude, the ball was like
1: – Right, right. The ball was thrown – out of bounds, and it it wasn't like your typical catch a ball. You know You what I mean? Usually when you're catching a ball that's out of bounds, you're doing it in stride, and you're catching the ball and then just running out of bounds. But that dude snagged that ball out of the air and then somehow managed to keep himself in and break that tackle like dude.
3: And But there was, like, very little time left. So that's why I thought he was just going to catch it and run out of bounds because – I, I, I want to say they had an opportunity at, like, a field goal. If that I'm might have there.
1: been what that defender thought, too, when he shrugged him off, you know? He so, might have been
3: – Yeah. So, so when he caught it, I was thinking, like, feel you know, okay, he's going to catch it, go out of bounds, and maybe they have a little bit more time for maybe one more play, one more shot. I want to say the quarterback was Graham Harrell. Uh, maybe they have, you know, a shot at you know one more shot. But now he broke the tackle and ran into the end zone. I said, oh, my God.
1: I know, man. <laughs> it was – it's just such an unbelievable, like – like like that's like the elite athleticism we talk about like right like that is so impressive like on every for someone every that,
3: for someone that wasn't and that didn't have like top end athleticism but that just shows like how good everybody is that you know makes it makes it to that to that level but yeah, we just went on the rant about Michael Crabtree, but yeah, hey man, Iuke. <laughs> uh,
1: but so what I like about IU is is like you, first of all, you got to understand that he hasn't he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. He's only been playing receiver for like a few years, which in the grand scheme of of where these guys usually are, like dude, I remember watching Jerry Judy do those flag football competitions before he even got to high school while he was still in high school. Right. or excuse me, before he got to, to college. So he was still a high school athlete and he was just destroying people in these, you know, those one-on-ones, those, those like flag football, one-on-ones, or they're not even flag football. They're just those one-on-ones. Yeah, like and, camp. Uh, right. And I remember Trevor Lawrence was at him, and he, you know, he was one of like the QBs. So this was like the real studs of camp. And I just remember watching Jerry Judy just embarrass people. And, you know, when you see that, you're like, man, this, this is going to, this guy's going to be good. But the point is, is that these guys have have a lot of these these guys that are first round picks or whatever have been playing wide receiver for a long time. And, and that's where they have honed their craft. But Ayuk hasn't been playing very long, but he already demonstrates traits that like intrigue you from somebody who's experienced like he's got a real smoothness to him. You talked about this crowd you talked about just like watching him move. Talk about that. Tell, me, Say that again for, for our listeners.
3: So he he has just this natural like explosiveness to him. So when he puts his foot in the ground and and goes the opposite way, it's it's just really like explosive and and effortless. So 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 to try to kind of put it into perspective, um, say a broad jump, right? Like I, I was a I was a solid athlete. My broad jump was you know somewhere around ten feet or whatever. Well, people that have really good natural explosiveness, they just can broad jump like 11 feet, right? Like just a whole foot further than me. And it's like, damn man, like how do they do it? But it's just effortless. They just kind of float in the air and kind of like compare like Dunkers or something, right? Like Michael Jordan just jumping and gliding in the air put the ball up in one hand, come down and switch hands and put it back up. There's just some people that just do things and it's kind of really like effortless. Well, that's how Brandon Ayuk is with kind of his ability to kind of explode in and out of cuts. So that was one thing that really jumped out to me about his game that I was like, oh, that's, that's really nice. And you see it. Because he makes a lot of cornerback speed turn at the line of scrimmage, so they definitely feel threatened by something. And typically, is that explosiveness? Is he going to take off? Is he going to run a slant? It's kind of hard to tell, but uh, really good like control over his body explosiveness. You know, we've all seen the ability. You know, his run after catch ability and stuff like that. Uh, I- I'm just curious to see like, okay, I know all these things he can do and stuff. How are you going to work to get him the ball? And are you going to make it simple to just get him touches, you know, right off the bat? Like, can you, can you get the rookie some touches, kind of get him in the groove, settle him down? Because I'm pretty sure he's going to have all those butterflies. He saw what happened last week. He saw the grief that a lot of receivers took, you know, so you, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, you know, big time, uh, excitement, ready to go, ready to play, but you're going to have to figure out a way to kind of settle him down a little bit, and, uh, early on in his game. So hopefully they, they they come out, get him the ball right away, and maybe, you know, get him some passes in, in, in space and kind of let him use his athleticism. Then once he settles down, I think the game will really, really start to slow down for him.
1: Right. Yeah. Some of these these catches I was watching him make during his last year in college were just – and the the catches were impressive, but, like, his ability to kind of just maneuver himself after the catch, and that's obviously something that we've we've realized Shanahan comes to appreciate because, you know, he has a lot of confidence in his scheme and, and you know, putting players at least in a position to get open. And, you know, he just wants you to get the ball and make something happen. And Ayuk with that fluidity that he has. And another thing I'm intrigued to see him do is, like, that guy has, like, I believe – I believe his wingspan is close to like seven feet. Like, I think it's like, like yeah. six foot, six foot 10 or something. And if you don't know what that means, that means if you put your arms to the side, how how long is it from one side to the other? You know, and, and I use just right around six foot, but to have like a, almost a seven foot wingspan, that's like, that's freaky stuff, you know? And that's, That's a a very valuable tool for, and he already already has that freak athletic ability. You can tell he just like that explosiveness that Crocker talked about, you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing if he just makes one of those catches where, you know, he kind of has to jump up into the air a little bit and then his arms come all the way out extended and he just snags it with his hands and like, there's just some of those catches where he just kind of like makes you lift your eyebrows a little bit. Like you're like, Ooh, man, you know, Or, or going up over a guy, you know, and I know he did that a few times in training camp. And there were quite a few of the beat writers that said that Brandon Ayuk was, was that beat writers that have been there a, a long time, mind you, um, that have said that, that Ayuk was the most impressive rookie receiver they've ever seen come into that building. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing. They might ease him in. You know, they've, they've got other guys that they can throw to you. They, they don't need to, like, lean on him per se. But I'm hoping kind of what you're saying is, like, they just they don't waste any time. If, if he's out there and he's healthy, then just start throwing him the ball. And, and getting him comfortable because, uh, you know, he can he can ramp up just like Debo did in his rookie year. Let me see. Right.
3: Now, also, um, I guess, can we throw a bonus guy in there? Because I don't know how Dude, we can. We can, can we- this is our <laughs> podcast. We can do whatever we want, bro. How do we forget about Muhammad Sanu? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. We didn't even think about that guy.
3: Yeah, so yeah. – I mean, we just talked about one receiver and I was like, you know what? Let's talk about this other receiver that the 49ers just got. And yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing him. And just, you know, again, take a little bit pressure off your quarterback. Maybe he doesn't have to be as perfect because you just have this pro that just knows how to get open. There are some people that just make it a lot easier to to throw them the ball. They just show their numbers. They get open, they catch the ball and they make you look good. And Sanu... He's kind of looked at like this, just oh, Patriots didn't want him. But I mean, he had 60 catches last year, so it's not like he was just some like bum. And I think a lot of
1: people they look at his Patriots stats and forget that he spent the first like half of the season on the Falcons. Yeah, like, and I I think they don't they forget to combine the stats because. He he's had a huge role in the Falcons over the past few years, and he then he's had a, you know four three or four years what I think it's four years, um, and then you know he had a he had a, a, an immediate role with the Patriots last year, and he had a non guaranteed salary of like like over six million. So you know if 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 the Patriots realized they weren't going to be able to negotiate him down off of that and wanted to do something else with that money, I don't know what kind of cap situation they're in, but you know that's how a guy like Sanu becomes a free agent.
3: Yeah, well you know, so it's not he, always
1: because they're totally
3: just washed. Right. He he's somebody like, you know, he I guess his his production was up and down with the with the Patriots. But there was a game, I want to say against Baltimore Ravens, where they threw him the ball like 14 times and he caught like 10 passes for you know 80 something yards, which obviously like you know it's not a big yards per catch, but it goes back to what I was saying that guy that's just an easy target can get open, catch passes. Mm-hmm. And sounds like, you know, he knows the Kyle Shanahan offense. I'm pretty sure there'll be some kind of like, you know, they're they're cramming right now, like, hey, just learn this, learn this, learn this. This is what we want to do with you. He'll get it down. It'll start, it'll all start coming back to him. You know, I've been away from the Jets for seven years now. Or, whatever, right? Like seven years I've been away from the New York Jets. But if I looked at their playbook and it would probably take me 30 minutes for to really refresh my memory and kind of go through things. It will all start clicking back. So um, I'm pretty sure there's new things that Kyle has added and they have to get him up to pace with that, but it's going to make sense when they explain it to him and that'll kind of help him along. So yeah, that's another guy, man. I mean, you, you, you added two guys that you likely like more than, the three guys that they sent out last week, you know, and I say that out of respect. I still like Kendrick Bourne. I still think he should have some type of role, but um, I, I do want to see, uh, you know, Ayuk and yeah, Muhammad Sanu. That's somebody I'm really – Well, I
1: mean, they're not signing a guy like Sunu. I mean, I'm, this is such an obvious statement, but I mean, they're not signing a guy like Sanu and drafting a guy like you, Ayuk for them to not be on the field. You know they're gonna they're gonna be out there and, and they're gonna have a pretty big impact sooner than sooner than later. And uh, Sanu's a veteran guy; he's gonna know what he's doing, and, and that's gonna be somebody I expect. Kind of like when with Emmanuel Sanders first game, like Jimmy Garoppolo started to throw into him right away, and Jimmy Gar- and Emmanuel Sanders didn't have very much time with the offense either. So you know, I, I expect that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have just if we recorded this podcast and finished, I, dude, I guarantee you we would have thought about it after it was like uploading.
3: Yeah, and oh, just that. Been like last thing on, on Sunu and why he probably was a free agent for so long. If he if he was on a team, if a team signed him like before preseason ended, or like right when preseason ended, like for week one, his contract, his salary was guaranteed for the whole year. The fact that the 49ers waited until after week one, now is kind of like week to week for him. So that's a big reason why sometimes um teams wait on these veterans.
1: Right. So I'm going to let you take this next one too, um, because uh, obviously it's looking like he's going to play. So tell me what you want to see from what you're hoping to see, what you want to see, what you're expecting from uh, Akello Witherspoon.
3: Yeah, man. Uh, That's another person. I'm excited. I'm always excited to see a guy get an opportunity. And obviously, Akello has had several opportunities to kind of showcase his ability. Sometimes he's looked terrific. Sometimes he's looked shaky. I'm I'm very interested to see which Akello Witherspoon do we see. If he comes out and he's, you know, shows the good Akello, then. I mean that's that's a plus for the 49ers because he's when we talk about you know these these uh NFL players and their athleticism Killer Witherspoon, he's a supreme athlete we're talking about somebody that's 6'3" 200 pounds, and you know he's cat quick great feet ran a 4.45 at the combine which is really fast <laughs> you know like I said you know Duke and Rem. he has all this ability and he showcases it at times, it's just been kind of up and down, right? It's just been a little inconsistent. So uh, what a kilo, what Akilo are we going to get? I'd assume that we get good Akilo, right? I mean, going up against uh, Pyramid and uh, Crowder, if, if he's healthy, I don't think those guys can really mess with him like that. He typically has more trouble with the Mike Thomas, uh, with... You know, maybe some smaller, quicker guys like a Brandon Cooks, who's just really fast, and you know might beat him on a route. But you don't hear much about from him when he faces guys like this. So, and I mean like in a negative way. So I'm excited to watch him play. And again, I don't want to downplay anybody on the Jets. Uh, you know, Pearman wasn't trash last year for Tampa Bay. So you know we'll see what he is for for the Jets. But uh, yeah really excited to see a Keller with this one play and just have this opportunity, man. And for him, it's how do you want to be viewed for the rest of this year? You come out, you have a really good game. People will look, look to you and know that they can count on you to, to be a guy. If he comes in and he doesn't play well, then people are going to be hoping that uh, Jason Verrett is healthy pretty soon.
1: Uh, Well, and it's, and it's a matter of, of also considering the the circumstances too. Like, I, I, it's obvious that the 49ers would love for a kello witherspoon to work out especially with richard sherman in a contract year and who knows how that's going to unfold so i mean if they could and and he's had chances before witherspoon has but i mean man if he could if he could put together a solid few games and, and give the 49ers just a little bit of confidence uh heading into next season now I, that's definitely not i don't think no matter what i don't think it'd be enough confidence to for them to consider not going like db round one next year but you know just somebody who, who proves that that he should he should stick around you know because he's he's on the last year of his contract too so um, you know that's that's just it's on the line for him and he knows it he's, he's a smart dude uh, and he knows what's on the line so if he can come out here and, and like croc said it's just an opportunity and hopefully you're, you're one of those people that just want to see others succeed you know and, and whether or not what he's done in the past and his struggles shouldn't really have any sway anymore. Uh, you just want to see the guy go out and like take advantage of an opportunity. And and if the Keller Witherspoon plays good, then that's good for the 49ers. There's not, no other way to look at it. Um, and the last one we've got on here is um, another rookie in Javon Kinlaw, who uh, by all accounts, I haven't gone back and, you know, got my all 22 on like everybody else in the Twitterverse seemingly has, but, Kinlaw apparently had a pretty good game against the Chiefs, and you can have a good good game and not light up the snap sheet, especially against somebody like Kyler Murray, who either one can just release the ball ridiculously fast, or two just take off. And you you thought you had a chance on him, and the moment he decides to run, that chance is gone because he's just that quick. But you know, I, I saw some. Uh, uh, Brian Baldinger breaking down some some tape of Kinlaw and some of the stuff he was doing was real impressive. You know, looked looked a lot like DeForest Buckner out there with with that with some of them swim moves. And dude, the one the one move that I was really blown away with, and I haven't I don't know if I've ever seen it. I'm sure I have, but like right at the snap, Kinlaw read that the offensive line was blocking down towards him from his right because he was lined up like right at around the three technique. Um, and so the center was off to his right. You know, maybe that's maybe that's three I or two, whatever. Um, but he, so he's there, and the center immediately rec- Kinlaw immediately recognizes that center is down blocking towards him, and, and Kinlaw takes a hard step to the left, as if as if to give the center the impression that he's allowing himself to get washed out, because that's where the center wanted him to go was to the left, so he could take him and ride him out of the play well, Kinlaw does this hard step to the left and then immediately with his right arm, uh, swim, like swim, pushes, however you want to say it, just chops the guy and uses his momentum against him and flings him out in front of him and then has a free shot towards um, Kyler Murray. And I believe that's the throw near his own end zone that he skipped right in front of DeAndre Hopkins. You remember that?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. And And it was like, dude, like that is like, That's not just going one-on-one and winning somebody with superior technique. That is like mental steps forward, recognizing what you feel the play is going to be, recognizing what you feel the offensive line is going to do, and using that to your own advantage to to win that matchup easily. And it was just such an athletic and, and intellectual thing for him to do. Like Maybe I'm more impressed with it than somebody on a defensive line, like a defensive line coach would be. But it was just really impressive. And I think when he's doing this, like his, he's like, his hips are like a foot off the ground. You know, like he is so yeah. low, like, and his center of gravity is so like, dude, I don't, did you see this?
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw like, it.
1: Like, Dude, that was, I mean, am I, is it more, is it less impressive than than
3: I think it is? Nah, it is very impressive just for a guy like that big to be able to move the way he does. And that was part of the reason why like they liked him. I, I think the thing that, you know, everybody brings up and you know, typically, you know, with some, you know, bigger, younger guys think they need to really work on is their their pad le- level. So, you know, just to see something like that and, and him, you know, working on those things, even if it's inconsistent right now, but to see him get better at that, that that's something that you know, it's it's very encouraging because all you know, reports coming out of the camp was that, you know, he was kind of struggling to, to be guys uh in pass protection. And we had explained on here, like, okay, well, even if he is going to, you know, not pass protection, pass uh getting after the passer. But, uh you know, we explained if he is going to struggle with that, at least be a good two-down, you know, run-stopping guy. But they definitely used him primarily on first and second down or non-passing downs. uh There were a couple times where he – did, you know, he was in there on, when they just happened to call a pass play. And I thought, you know, he flashed a couple times. Now my guy, Jesse Booker, uh J Novel, he was like, you know, like, why, basically like, why is his grade, you know, so high on PFF and and I, you know, and uh, there were a couple other guys too that were like, you know, his his grade on PFF is, is extremely high for him to not have, you know, the production right, like the tackles, sacks, you know, force fumbles, things like that. Um, There are a couple of different ways that teams do things, and I don't know how PFF does it, but, um, and what I explained to my my, my dog, Jesse Booker. uh, There's two different, like, charts that I've been a part of. One is your simple uh, plus-minus grading sheet, where if you did what you're supposed to do, you get a plus. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, you get a minus. Um, now that does isn't take into consideration like if you got tackles or sacks or anything like that that's just doing your job and you can grade out extremely high just from always doing your job and then there's another one which is a production chart and on a production chart he would have been much lower because the production chart uh, takes into account um, pretty much everything like sacks and you get more points for other things right so it's like I don't remember exactly the point system or how we did it, but I remember, and this was when I was in college, I remember we did for a tackle, a tackle might be like two points, where a sack would be like five points. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they had right. a production chart, and, you know, Ken Law, with his two tackles, he'd be really low on the production chart. You know, but if you use the plus-minus grading scale, he could be really high on it. Just because even though it didn't always result in him, you know, finishing the play or whatever, like maybe it ran away from him, he did his job, though. So I don't know how PFF grades it. I just know. I just kind of threw that out there to, to my dog, Jesse, because I was like, yeah, there there are different ways. So just because he doesn't have, you know, five tackles, a sack, stuff like that, doesn't mean that he can't necessarily, you know, grade high. Uh, Depending on how they are, you know, their grading system goes.
1: Right, I like that. I like that. All right, so that is the end of our 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 players to watch. That's obviously those aren't the only players to watch. You're gonna you're gonna have to watch a whole team, but those are the guys that kind of immediately came to our mind as far as Sunday's game against the Jets. Now, just to kind of wrap it up, we have we have a few guys that we feel like you should pay close attention to, or maybe anticipate having an impact that are on the Jets squad. And there's no way we could leave this off without bringing up one running back, Frank Gore, who at 48 years old and having been in the, the NFL for 47 years, he's about to start yet another game. Um, those were jokes, by the way, I'm just, just clarifying. Um, he's about to still just start another game in his NFL career. Cause Le'Veon Bell's out. Um, again against his his you know his home team and and make no mistake like Frank Gore is a 49er for life like he has there's no ill will there he still refers to the 49ers as we you know like that is his home that is it it's everything to him everything to him the moment he stops didn't decides to stop playing this game his his next phone call is going to be to Jed York and you know what do I got to what what's the process for coming over there and retiring as a 49er and you know, it'll by all by all accounts it'll be a momentous occasion. But I mean, this man that just keeps on going, that has just put together one of the most incredible running back careers you will ever see. And and one of the things I always like to say about Frank Gore is like, because a lot of people, when they're like, why is Frank Gore a Hall of Fame running back? Like and, and at no time was he ever like a super feared running back, or you know, like like you know what I mean? Like people like to say this stuff like that, and I'm like Dude, look at his career. It is a Hall of Fame worthy career. Like, because he didn't have one or two years where people considered him the league's best rusher, like you that doesn't invalidate your credentials for a Hall of Fame. I, I would not be surprised if Frank Gore is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Because all you have to do is look at the guy's career and just be like, wow, like you know, it, it holds up in every way, shape, or form statistically, and all of that mess. You know, like he averaged more yards per carry for Emmitt Smith. You know, like it, there was no part of Frank Gore that was like, "I'm just going to gain three yards, three and a half yards forever and call it good." Like, hopefully, I don't, I don't want to rant anymore. But you know, Frank Gore's starting against the 49ers on Sunday. It's going to be weird. Crazy. The inconvenient truth. Frank the Tank. I know, man. And he's just such a good dude. Like, he's just such a, a genuine person. And his, his son is now playing college football and he's still in the NFL. All right. So, in addition to Frank Gore, another guy going into his second year who, through a little bit of, you know, if if fate would have just taken a couple different turns, the 49ers might have had Quentin Williams instead of. Nick Bosa. So, you know, and, and now he is on the Jets and he is is lining up along the interior of their defensive line. I mean, what are the, what are some of the things you think about when you think of, of Quentin Williams?
3: He was just he was very dominant at Alabama. I mean, I was on record as saying like, you know, if the 49ers took him over Nick Bosa, I wouldn't have been mad. Like I thought the world of 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 him, and I just thought he was just like a freak athlete for somebody his size to be able to run that fast, be that athletic, be that strong, and do some of the things he's able to do in the middle. I was like, man, that's the perfect person to be able to play next to Nick, you know, not Nick Bosa, excuse me, uh, uh, DeForest Buckner at the time. And obviously they went a different route. And I'm glad they did. I really liked the Bosa pick, but he 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 was freaky good at Alabama. Now the, the things that can kind of start to derail, someone's career. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I've, I haven't paid attention to what he's doing, but it sounds like he's just been like, I guess like more average than good. But, um playing in a situation like that with a team like the Jets that's been bad and you have guys coming out saying, you know, they don't like this, they don't like that, trade me, all that stuff. It starts to create like a toxic environment into the locker room. And, that can kind of take away from some guy's preparation. You kind of just get used to losing or you kind of get used to being around that kind of losing mentality. And and even a guy like for a guy like him that, you know, went to Alabama and, you know, they they prepared to win championships. You can just kind of be like, well, you know, let me do enough. Maybe he doesn't prepare as well as he should. Uh he has money now. And, you know, I don't know that to be the case. Obviously I'm just kind of like those are things that can kind of happen when you go to like, you know, bad situations. So I wish the, the best for him. I really like him. Terrific player. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't want him to do good against 49ers, but you know, mm-hmm. you know but I will be watching them though. That's for sure.
1: Well, I mean, and, and he's going to have, he might have some favors favorable matchups. I mean, if Ben Garland plays, it'll be his first game back uh, in a while. Cause he, he had sat out because of that ankle injury for a couple weeks or so. And, um, you know, so he'll be stepping back in to, to a lineup that he hasn't, hasn't been in for a while. And, you know, Daniel Brunskill is new at that right guard spot and he had some struggles on Sunday, um, which is, is to be expected because he was, he's Daniel Brunskill was excellent at tackle. And then, you know, the 49ers try are trying him at right guard, see how he does there. Um, he's just somebody that they know they want to keep around. So, um, you know, Quentin Williams is gonna have some opportunities to to get matched. I don't I don't I don't see Quentin Williams having a whole lot of success against somebody like Lincoln Tomlinson. Just Lincoln Tomlinson's been really, really underrated. He's incredibly strong. I'm not sure about that matchup right there. But you know, as far as maybe Ben Garland, maybe Daniel Brunskill, I think there's some opportunities there for Quentin Williams to generate some pressure and and interior pressure for somebody like Garoppolo is not the greatest. Um, because he's not a very mobile guy. You wouldn't necessarily want you know solely in, in interior pressure against somebody like Kyler Murray because he's like, all right, peace, you know but um, that there is a way that Quentin Williams can have a little bit of an impact here, but we'll see. we'll see depends on how uh, how well the uh, the offensive line is firing on all cylinders. And then you have our last player uh, to watch from the Jets is another obvious one just like with the 49ers, but Sam Darnold, who did not have a great game. Um, against a, a good buffalo bills defense. So I'm not you know I'm not going to take it away from that because the bills have a great defense, but you know he he only completed 60% of his passes for, you know, for one touchdown and one interception and 215 yards and a huge chunk of that came after the catch from Jamison or from uh, yeah, Jamison Crowder who is not expected to play. He's not practicing right now. I don't believe he's going to play. So it was almost like an offsetting injury between the Jets and the 49ers. Like the uh, the 49ers lost Sherman for a few weeks and the Jets aren't going to have Crowder. So, you know, a little bit of kind of like an offset there. But so uh, and Sam Darnold, I expect, you know, let me let me pull this up because I'm, I'm almost sure of the number. Um, Sam Darnold was sacked a few times in this game and he was hit quite a few, you know, about four, four more times. Uh, the Jet, the Bills were doing a good job just getting in his face, and I feel like the 49ers coming off a game where they had to deal with somebody like Kyler Murray. Nick Bosa has already said it. He's like, Sam Darnold and the Jets offense allows us to play the scheme that we want to play and and be the defense that we want to be, and which is a defense that just pretty much just tees off. And I, I, I feel like if the 49ers are going to mask their deficiency at corner, it's going to be because the pass rush got home a few times early and just kind of got into Darnold's head a little bit and, and they're able to kind of shake him up a little bit. So, you know, that, that is definitely somebody worth watching on the Jets offense and seeing, you know, what kind of poise might or might not be there, excuse me. And if the 49ers can kind of, kind of rattle them, rattle them a little bit, but anyways, what do you think Croc? You think, does that wrap it up?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that's good. I, I'm excited for Sunday, man. You know, get back on track. Get back on track. You know, get get in the rhythm, be sharp, win the damn game.
1: Win the damn game. Win the points, score the games, 49ers. Um yeah, no, it should be it should be interesting. Uh me and Crocker will be back on here again on Sunday. After the game so we you know we won't be here we won't be recording on Friday or Saturday you will the next time you will hear from us will probably be Monday morning with our fresh reactions to whatever is gonna happen on Sunday um, and then we'll we'll be back on another week of the grind baby I hope I hope you guys are enjoying the additional content I hope it's not too much I hope it's uh, I hope you guys enjoy it if you do enjoy it hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, but a, a, a listener hit us up this morning and just said me and Crocker were like the voice of reason for the 49ers community, which <laughs> I'm not going to necessarily agree with him, but I appreciate the compliment and I appreciate the kind words and you know, I appreciate you just hitting us up and letting us know you listen to the pod. Um, find us on Twitter, me, at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. Uh, hit up Croc, at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, his, his Twitter name is now Crockey. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know, I changed it from crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I
1: saw it. I was like, "Crocky, you should change it to crock of shit." Never. <laughs> uh, um So, anyways, we're rambling again. I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for listening. Um, that is it for another week, and we'll see you after the Jets game on Sunday. This is Striking Gold. Signing out. Peace. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline. Today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert.
2: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place.